0: Well, this is going to sound a little bit familiar, I think, to our district executive who is here without her official hat on. Sorry about that. Um, Our uh, theme this summer at the Southwestern Unitarian Universalist Conference Summer Institute, or SWUSI, was Bread and Stones. Uh, That's a reference that comes from the book of Matthew. Uh, It's part of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew is a, a book in the Christian Testament. The Sermon on the Mount is a series of lessons that Jesus was giving from the hillside to a large group of people that had gathered around him. And it takes up three whole chapters of the book. Right before the verse that this, from which this reference comes, we're hearing about um, asking it shall be given you, seeking ye shall find, knocking it will be opened unto you. Um, there are a lot of things in the Sermon on the Mount that may be familiar to those of us from Western culture, or most particularly if we grew up in households that took us to Christian ter- churches. Um, There are a lot of things in those lessons that I enjoy. But this part comes from Jesus asking people. He's explaining that God, as he teaches God to be, is something that's loving. And that God, being a parent, wants to give all of those things that are uh, creations of God good gifts wants God wants people to be happy. God wants people to have what they need. God wants this and God wants that. and all of these things are positive that this story tells us Jesus is telling. people out um, that came to see him. So Jesus says, is there one among you who, if your child asks you for bread, would give them stones? That's where the theme for the Summer Institute came from. The theme speaker for the Summer Conference was a man named Reverend Tom Shade, who is the minister at First Unitarian Church in Worcester, Massachusetts. He's a past president of the Unitarian Universalist Christian Fellowship. And in Tom's first lecture um, or speech presentation, he went into some depth about just exactly what it takes to make bread that first you have to awaken the yeast with warm water and then you have to feed it a little sweetness to encourage it to grow. Then you knead it and and work it and blend it to make the yeast and the dough strong. And he he had slides that actually showed the way that the dough gets strengthened. The Constitution becomes more sound by the working of the dough. Finally, it gets baked, hopefully, under all of the right circumstances. And I am not going into near the detail that Tom did, because I know nothing about baking bread. Anyway, hopefully, it gets baked under all the right conditions. And he also pointed out that even if you know all the steps, sometimes it takes a lot of practice to get it right. To have something that's worth sharing and that it was more difficult than he had originally thought. Well, I really enjoyed Tom's lectures. The process of bread making um, apparently takes great care. That night, after he gave that particular lecture, I was responsible for the worship service, the evening worship service at Swosie, And I raised a new question. My question was... So what if we've done all of that work of awakening the yeast with warm water? Have fed what we have sweetness to help it grow, have kneaded and blended and thoroughly needed and blended it thoroughly to strengthen it and in hopes of sharing it. But what if we come to realize that what we have watered and what we have given honey to sweeten it and what we have blended isn't yeast at all. And that we, in fact, are not bakers. At this point, a slide came up of a candlestick maker. We're not all the same, right? We don't all have the same gifts, and we can't all use the same avenues to funnel who we are into the world in a productive way. An author that I'm fond of, um, named Parker Palmer, who is Quaker, author, speaker, teacher and who personally found his way back from a very dark depression and knows what it's like to drain oneself doing things that aren't yours to do, wrote this, If I try to be or do something noble that has nothing to do with who I am, I may look good to others and to myself for a while, but the fact that I'm exceeding my limits will eventually have consequences. I will distort myself, the other, and our relationship and may end up doing more damage than if I had never set out To do that particular good. When I try to do something that is not in my nature or the nature of the relationship, way closes behind me. And it seems to me that there are a lot of times that we would love nothing more than to give those who ask of us the bread for which they ask. But what if we have no metaphorical bread to give? No matter how well-intentioned we may be, We cannot give what we do not have. And what we have may not solve the need that we see before us. Parker Palmer tells us that though usually regarded as the result of trying to give too much, Burnout, quote in my experience, results from trying to give what I do not possess. So our task becomes discerning what we actually and authentically have to give and what we are truly capable Of doing. Whether or not it aligns with images we hold of what we think we ought to be, what we think we ought to be able to do, what we think somebody else needs us to do, what we have been told we ought to do. With this discernment comes an increasing flow of internal energy and internal support that's really kind of hard to explain. We then begin learning how to live from the great ocean that has no limits. And again from Parker Palmer, self-care is never a selfish act. It is simply good stewardship of the only gift I have, the gift I was put on earth to offer others. Anytime we can listen to true self and give it the care it requires, we do so not only for ourselves, but for the many others whose lives we touch. End quote. Frederick Buchner calls authentic vocation the place where your deep gladness meets the world's deep need. I guess you have to know where your deep gladness is. It is where the many facets of our fragile, fragmented, and frayed individuality come together in wholeness. As a congregation, we also have authentic vocation, a calling that is ours to discern. It is not to be feared or avoided because we just like, because we're just afraid. Like with an individual, when we are living into what is truly ours, What is ours to do? We will not find ourselves burned out, but rather energized and drawing from a far greater pool of resources than we imagine we have. Resources that we don't have simply by trying to think our way or wish our way into what we want. So much of life seems to conspire to separate us from ourselves. We walk around unable to see our own disjointedness because we're trying so hard to fill what what we understand to be our part We're trying to do what's honorable. We're trying to do what we believe to be true. We're trying to do our best. But the sound of other voices play in our minds a lot. The sounds of people, maybe not these teachers, or maybe there's a piece of that that came with that lesson that we need to winnow out that isn't serving us in our true nature. But the, the voices of parents and guardians, those who most and le- that we most and least trust and revere, all of that gets in our heads and tells us what we need to do. Who we need to be. And it's really a matter of intention and commitment. To try to just come back to ourselves. Sometimes it's our own critical selves. That gets in our way. We may put some effort into keeping that quiet away from us because we don't want to hear the quiet we don't we're afraid of it we don't know what it's going to say and it's big and it's vast and scary if we don't know it Whether or not we can recognize it, name it or even see it, we all have fears that constrict our ability to be who we are, our ability to do the most we can for other people with the least effort, the striving against what is naturally ours to offer the world. With nonstop sound and activity, trying to drown it out, trying to outrun it, trying to ward it off, when it may well be us that we're running from. And befriending it is where peace lives. Not too terribly long ago, I spoke about uh, a need in our lives for a catalyst so that when that spectrum of who we are, the, the rainbow of pieces of us, becomes divided. We need a catalyst to bring it back into oneness, that, that light that we are, just like the album cover of, uh, of a Pink Floyd album you know where there's a light going in one side and the rainbow coming out the other we have to have a catalyst to make that rainbow again become one as i said earlier there was the story of the buddha and the student asking if the spiritual exercises would bring enlightenment and the buddha said no but that's what keeps you from being asleep when enlightenment comes to you. We don't reach those awarenesses without effort or or making ourselves capable of receiving them. Empty enough vessels to hold something new empty enough vessels for something to move through us. May we remain committed to those exercises that we have or learn new ones that keep us waking and prepared. Let us be mindful of our own water and sweetness and needing what those things are that strengthen us, what those things are that encourage us to grow, what those things are that awaken us, and may we seek them out. May we make space in our lives for them because in that making of space, you won't believe the amount of space that opens up without having to wear yourself out. Your self-care is as important as that of another. Self-care is not self-indulgence. Self-care is self-care. And when we are stronger individually, we can't help but be stronger together. When we are one in ourselves We can be one collectively.